First of all, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. How are you both? Very, yeah, very well, thanks. Very, yeah, very good. It's very good to hear. So, Katie, I want to st uh, start with you. When you first heard Simon's album, Veil, what did it make you think? What did it make you feel? Um, well, I was listening to it, actually, as I was walking through the streets of London, and I found it a very uplifting and visceral experience. There was a grittiness to it, to the sound of the violin and to the textures that Simon was creating. Um, I literally felt like I was inside the orchestra. It's not often that recordings have that quality where you're literally, you know, it's so visceral, you can feel it on your skin. And, um, and I loved it. And also it, the uplifting element was just fantastic. You literally felt like your body was being sort of moved up into the air. There is this quality, I suppose, that violin or string instruments have. Uh, Simon, maybe you can elaborate a little bit, but in the pr making of Veil, what kind of was the, the aim then? I mean, for me, Veil, like, it was a culmination of moving to Berlin and having studied classical music, but also, but like, been involved in pop productions and, and playing rock music for a long time. I wanted to, I was always looking for my own way of making music. You know, I'd been involved in, in a, as a recording engineer, I'd been, I'd, I'd worked as, um, as, a, as a composer assistant. I'd done lots of different jobs and I'd played in bands. I'd been a session musician. Um, and so really Veil vale was about kind of trying to find what I wanted to say with music. And that's why it was so linked to the violin because of my history as a violinist and studying violin. I really wanted to dive into like, what is that relationship to the, to the instrument? Cause yeah, there is, there is a real, um, um, visceralness to the violin. I think it's it's an instrument that is um, people often talk about it. It's an instrument that is um, second only to the human voice in terms of its emotion, um, you know, and, and that it can really relay a lot of emotions. Um, and I I just wanted to dive into that and explore it and find what my own connection to that was. And I suppose Vail was very much an insular process. So when Katie uh, kind of came to you and, and said, "Hey, perhaps we should." work together I don't know if this is how it went but kind of this uh, interaction between the two of you started what was that like well uh, I mean it was yeah go, you go, Kate. Uh, go. You know, I got the album sent from Felix Howard who is a brilliant A&R person that works on my record company um, and I actually said to him I'd love to uh, get in touch with Simon and Felix said to me um, you know what his, his music it's very grown up and I was like, great. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> As if, you know, like, I don't know, whatever it means. So, uh, you know, so he kind of gave me the impression that Simon might be hard to reach, basically, you know. Um, you know, which, of course, uh, you know, I mean, I know he had a lot of projects on, but, uh, you know, Simon responded um, and was up for our initial collaboration was about uh, being part of the re-release of the acoustic version of my last record album number eight and um, and yeah you know we we got together for a day in the studio Simon did beautiful reinterpretations of these two songs maybe I dreamt it and remind me to forget uh, and then just on that day there was definitely a kind of a, a beautiful like fluidity to the way we were working to the way the voice and the violin were sounding together and 
And then Simon, you know, told me about all the work that he had done previously on Chernobyl um, and on the Joker soundtrack. And, um, you know, and just that kind of, I don't know, there was just a real easiness to the collaboration. Uh, and then Simon suggested, you know, maybe we should just write together from a, with no major expectations, you know, and not to write to sort of have songs for, for example, you know, my next record or anything like that. Um, and so it just seemed like a fun experiment. And uh, yeah, we, we decided to try it out. I think a lot of a lot of the starting point was talking about structure as a compositional um, aspect, because, you know, obviously in pop songs and, and um, in song, traditional songs, the structure is quite developed. It's very... Um, established and it's been you know the, the the chorus verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus you know it's been done a lot and it's it works very well it's it's a great format but then and katie you know has has existed in that world quite a lot through her career and so we had started having these conversations over over different types of forms and different types of writing and what is it if you if you don't write in that way and then we looked at folk music and we were looking at the structures of different folk songs and and starting to pull this about and and think about structure in a different way and be very open and free um you know more compositional with the with the structure or yeah or or we, one time we took a, a folk song and we we're like, oh, it's it's literally two sections that just repeat and bounce from one to the other. And so we had a go at writing like that. And it was really just kind of exploring these these forms. And I think that's where it, the whole thing started. I, we, I, I sent Katie um, Talk Talk's Spirit of Eden because mm. that's, you know, one of my all-time favorite records. And um, Katie hadn't heard it. So I was like, well, you have to listen to this. And uh, that was, you know, uh, among other things, a really good starting point for us of conversation. Yeah, did a lot of conversation kind of take place beforehand, kind of bouncing ideas off each other? Because I believe uh, you came together in August for for uh, for some, for a session. So, so what was the lead up to that? Did you kind of have in mind uh, what type of music you wanted to make, or was there still a, bi a big experimentation process? Well, there was the the first two songs, um, Pilisi Airport and Hotel Stamba, were written out of this improvisational okay. experiment. And then once those two songs were done, we actually had um, uh, we had a hang with actually the record company boss uh, at my at my label, and he loved the tracks, and he was, we should release this on Modern Recordings, um, and we were like, okay, we have a deal. <laughs> so okay we better make a record you know and then once that point was done we we did talk quite extensively about what the record was going to be like and what it was like conceptually and you know and that was um that was really cool because I mean you know Simon if I may he's Simon has a real um sort of vision on exactly the kind of record or at least the fact that we need a vision that we need mm. a direction you know, and an idea of the type of record, you know, and, and I, I love talking. So uh, it was a great opportunity to kind of really zone in on what we were trying to make. I think also like in, no, no uh, just on the, on the, on the uh, conception of it, I think there's something with when you make a, a song based record, uh, a song in its, in a, of itself can be a piece of work and that song can exist, um, you know, in, on, on many different records. So, I think there's a there can be 
less of a impetus to see a collection of songs as a full piece of work in its own right that ties all of the songs together whereas when i'm writing a, an album <clears throat> for me like the album is the piece of work it's more like a symphony it's more like a you know a, a piece of music that starts so all the pieces kind of i think of them how they link together how they relate to each other and that's one piece of work and i think this is something that we discussed and that was really how we narrowed down the kind of record we wanted to make and how the pieces should be linked and instrumentation so we were thinking about all the songs together rather than and like thinking of it as a record rather than as um individual songs but it's interesting what you mentioned earlier as well where you do come from different musical backgrounds although you've dabbled in in all kinds of uh, types of music but was there some kind of exchange for instance um katie what did you learn from working with simon and then uh after uh, vice versa, Simon, what did you learn from working with Katie? One of the most incredible things was um, there was no wall working with Simon between, between the instruments and the composition and the technology. Hmm. So there was this complete kind of natural fluidity. Um, you know, like we, we never had to sort of wait for the technology to warm up. Um, which can happen. I mean, obviously, you know, the the engineering world these days is very advanced, but but there's still a kind of an imaginary wall. It's like the instruments are there to capture us, the musicians, you know, to capture this instrument that I've, you know, learned for many, many years. Whereas working on this record, you know, Simon was very much like, and it's not even anything actually you said, you could just witness it and feel it because... It was like, you know, the technology was actually another thread to the instrument that was being kind of weaved out to create this incredible tapestry. Um, also, you know, Simon uh, has worked a lot with, you know, this idea of, of spatial music, you know, so making music that is, you know, about a, mo a much more sort of a grander scale and a sort of um, has a spatial awareness Whereas in the traditional song form, you're kind of making songs to grab people and to be sort of at the center of attention. You know, you're trying to make something that's almost um, exhibitionist a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and even if like, you know, someone like me, who, who you know, who's grown up in the British culture, which is very subtle. <laughs> um, and I, I say that because I'm, I'm a Georgian, which is, you know, a maximalist culture. Um, so even despite that, you kind of, I don't know, you sort of, you know, you realize that there are an exhibitionist and a sort of an egotistical perspective to the artist's point of view. But with this record, what we wanted to do was actually create a home, create a space on quite a grand scale, um, which lets the listener, you know, come in and get their own inspiration you know, and so be quite kind of abstract and imply things and not have sort of strict storylines that are about love or about matters of the heart. But those things are there, but they're subtle. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. 
To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's more about uh, the visceral side, I suppose, the kind of the feelings that it elicits uh, with with the listener. Um, and then, yeah, uh, quickly, uh, Simon, what did you learn from working with Katie? What, for instance, I mean, I was think... there uh, a specific bit of lyric that you were really impressed by? I mean, just the, the biggest thing that I, the biggest learning curve was lyrics and talking about lyrics. And we had these huge discussions about it because I, I've never listened to lyrics really in my life. I don't really care okay. about lyrics so much. Um, or they, they definitely are the secondary part to music. Um, and I see the voice as an instrument among the other instruments primarily. And secondary, it, it's about the words. Obviously, for Katie, it's completely the opposite. Yeah. So that I mean, led us down. Yeah, <laughs> we had these huge conversations about it. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of people who don't listen to lyrics first. Um, but, you know, I'm not one of them. And I find it really shocking. <laughs> but what I loved about the way we worked was even though we had these very opposite perspectives, we really respected each other's spaces. Yeah. And it's like just and it was just like having this like diving into talking about it and being able to like because for some reason we've we found this very safe it felt very safe to to discuss and and open be very open with each other about how we make music um you know we we've said on other interviews that um one of the nicest things we got out of this record is a friendship and it's it's it it, it felt very easy to discuss these things and and so we ended up just really diving into you know the way that i come to music and what i'm listening to and we'd sit there in my studio and i'd play some music and i'd do, tell katie like you know what i'm hearing and what i'm listening to and why it's exciting for me to listen to this piece and then we'd sit and listen to a to a, to a bob dylan track and katie would explain to me about how the music's reflecting the lyrics and how the way that he's singing and performing is reflecting the lyrics and and we went through and listened to a bunch of different songs and and then listened to songs that katie didn't feel were doing that and and and, and why they weren't and, and and this was like a master class for me of just really considering lyrical content with the song and diving into that and you know even even on albums that i've produced in the past i've i've been more um i'm always more connected to the music but just really having this conversation and diving into this it's, it opened a whole new and whole new space for me about um about what lyrics can mean to in, in a song for sure yeah, I think Bob Dylan does that to you because that's that's why I started listening to a lot to lyrics as well. Um, yeah. But can you perhaps share one of those converse, uh, topics of conversation then? What was something that, that really sparked a nice debate or discussion? I'm tr trying to think. Well, we listened to Lay Lady Lay, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan. And, um, you know, like in a way you sort of you i mean i listen to the words but then you kind of the words are so good and they're so in sync with the music and they're so in sync with the sort of the aroma of the music that it just creates this sort of effervescent atmosphere um you know and i think simon you you know you you just kind of found the music really cool and great yeah i'm listening to groove and to so you know instrumentation and, and the playing between between the musicians and then the way that his vocal 
um, you know, the cadence of his vocal and the way that he interacts, uh, that his voice as an instrument is interacting with the other instruments. And that's why it's interesting for me. And even, you know, even Bob Dylan, who people would say isn't such a great singer, still has this amazing control over where he places his vocal and how he delivers. And we also listened to um, Portishead and we were looking at how, you know, um, how the vocal works and how the lyrics work in that setting. And it was amazing to just go through and like really pull apart songs and be like, what are the lyrics and what's the music and how do they, how do they fit together? So with that in mind then, Katie, how did you use your voice differently on this album compared to perhaps your, your own records or previous records? Well, this was probably the most, most improvised composing I've done. Um, you know, so, you know, Simon would start weaving this musical landscape um, with the violin, with the loop pedals, with the, you know, with all the technology that was to hand. Um, and then you, you know, you sort of, you just go with that, with what you're hearing. Um, and it was very apparent from early on that there was this sort of grand scale to it. It wasn't uh, the, it wasn't at the sort of the scale. I mean, if you imagine sort of cinematography, for example, um, I'd say a lot of the songs that I've done in the past, they're kind of the portrait uh, mm. format. Um, as in like, you know, it's human, it's human to human, it's that scale. Whereas what I was hearing in Simon's music as we were composing was actually huge vistas and huge landscapes and, you know, cityscapes from like bird's eye view. Um, and so, you know, so the words then needed to match that. Uh, and I mean, I've done a lot of, you know, lyric writing over the last few years. Um, a lot of it is solitary. You're sitting at your desk, you know, listening to music, um, listening to the compositions and you're, you know, you're just trying things out. But it's it's quite kind of it's quite a slow process, whereas on aerial objects, we well, you know, I was very much like, actually, let's just see what comes out. You know, so it was about not getting in the way and not thinking too much um, and just letting that kind of inner voice just come out. And I like this kind of reciprocal relationship between lyrics uh, or vocals and, and, and the music. So, so how did the development of the musical landscape go? Was that, did you just start with a, with a sound or a certain instrument or the, a little piece of, of violin? Or how did kind of those two things kind of build on each other to make the songs that, that are now on the album? I mean, it started all from improvisation. Okay. That's so we, we, um, I, I play live with violin and through some effects pedals and loop pedals. And then I, I also have, um, an oct track, um, and, and, you know, synthesizers that I can, I can write and I can create. And I, this is the way that I write usually is I just have it all set up and I just go and improvise and make new stuff and build up and just explore. And so we just did that process together and recorded it all. And so we just have hours and hours of improvising, like of, of improvisations. And, um, and then we went in and really kind of like honed in on sections of those improvisations and found bits that we were able to lift out. And so like aerial objects is, there's a big bulk of aerial objects, the song that came directly from an improvisation. Like we just played along and the, the violin progression, the way that the chords moved, that's how we improvised it. And then I just took that, lifted it out and started building around it. 
and then we kind of you know took we'd, we'd look at it and go oh this vocal section here how oh, can we find something that's you know maybe different does that really do, do we have what we need there do we not and so it was really just about improvising then building up from the improvisation and then at later stages we went in and kind of explored what we had and how those things were working together and whether we needed to do some more work on it or yeah, what I found really interesting listening to the album and, and then reading the bio is there's mention of space and and on the album, I mean, uh, Tbilisi Airport, a hotel somewhere, uh, there's even a mention of textures of memories. There's There seems to be, a, at least for me, a connection between memories and space or sp wherever you are can trigger a certain memory. So how do, do you relate to, to kind of that aspect of it? Uh, especially i suppose for you katie well, did certain sounds trigger certain memories or uh, how did it uh yeah how did that process go i think it came i mean when i went to visit simon's apartment in berlin um you know the way he has it designed is you know clearly it's someone who has an eye for design and space um with lots of really beautiful pieces of artwork sebastian kite who we actually ended up collaborating with mm -hmm. who simon knows he had um, designed a, a previous album cover, you know, and all these things just kind of caught my eye. And you, um, I don't know, and I guess we realized we we are, you know, um, uh, we definitely bonded about architecture and space. Um, and then we went to visit one of the galleries in Berlin and that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of sort of researching um, who was the architect that designed this space? Um, what was the history there? Um, you know, this idea in Germany that, you know, at the turn of the, um, the, the 20th century and with the Industrial Revolution, how a lot of artists who were in actually like in big business, like architecture or the design of, I don't know, cutlery, for example, um, you know, they were really worried about the Industrial Revolution. They mm -hmm. thought all of the, you know, everything was going towards profit and like fast sort of you know, money-making businesses, um, you know, and say so they wanted to retain the art in a lot of these crafts. And I don't know, I, I found that idea really wonderful that there were people really concerned about that from a very early, well, from that point, from that point onwards. Um, and, you know, we mentioned that in one of the songs, uh, you know, so yeah, this idea of who it is that has built our man-made world, um, what is the thinking that goes behind these, these things, you know, when, when cities get built, when roads get built, when, you know, buildings go up, um, you know, and yeah, and, and kind of what is sort of behind that. And then also I had this experience a couple of years ago when I went to visit the city of Lecce in Italy, where, um, you know, I was walking around these streets and they're exquisite and they're, you know, they're just, the colours and the style is just unbelievable and the eye my eye just got used to walking in in these beautiful streets and then I stumbled upon a very basic black iron gate and it kind of it suddenly was like a, a sort of a sharp thing to the eye and um you know and I realized that the, those beautiful streets had kind of calmed my nervous system and had done something to my state of mind so you just realize that basically spaces have a huge effect on how you feel I find it a very interesting thought, and especially mentioning the kind of industrial revolution, because I was, 
obviously in the last couple of decades we've gone through some kind of digital revolution and a lot of these spaces are now online or are digital so do you think there's a there can be a similar connection uh kind of uh how would you say it artificially well yeah i, I mean yeah. Sorry, no, Simon, go. I, I, I was just reading something the other day that's talking about, you know, we're going through a, another industrial revolution of types now as well. And I think this um, this way that the Bauhaus um, kind of German schools talked about the industrial revolution a century, like, you know, a century ago is really applicable now mm. as well. And it's about aesthetic. It's about design culture. And I think this is something that, you know, we connected over and discussed a lot of like the, um, the, this space between whether something is just useful or what it's useful for and it's aesthetic and how it affects you and how the aesthetic affects you and how, you know, this is done through architecture and space. This is done through design. This is done through all of these different things. And, and I think that that's really what we were exploring on the, on the record of just these topics of, of how, how art is designed, how, how art is created, how it's um, developed, and the importance of that. And, you know, I think it's massively important now. I have no idea where it's going <laughs> in terms of um, the online, you know, more and more people are listening to music in through earbuds sure. and, 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 and this development. We've mixed this record in Dolby Atmos and um, as well as stereo. And just doing that process and diving into it, you know, it's it's. Um, I'm very willing to say it's. You know, we're we're at the beginning of that of that technology, and and really like that's something that we're still finding our um, feet in. And I think this is a a mode of music that's going to develop more and more over the next 10, 20 years, and where that can lead us in terms of how we interact interact with music online and stuff like this. Who knows? It's going to be a whole whole new thing for sure. Yeah, final question. And it's very interesting the way music or the, the way the development of consumption of music is kind of uh, has gone in the past year. So with that in mind, how would you like people to listen to the record if, if in any way? And, and what do you hope they take away from it? Mm. Um, hmm. well, we The record starts with a song at an airport and it ends with a song about the forming of the British landscape, which is inspired by a great book by Nicholas Crane. Um, it's a geography book about, you know, how the British landscape formed. And it was really the language that he used in it that was so inspiring. Um, so I would love people to be both in their everyday lives, whether it's, you know, they're in their cities or the villages, or they're traveling in, you know, through airports, or going for a country walk, um, you know, and just listening to it and well, you know, it's it's what music does, isn't it? You kind of have it on anywhere and it completely transforms you. Very uh, quick last question then. Uh, what is one song you've listened to recently that had this effect on you? And then uh, for both, obviously. Uh, um, mm. uh, well, I have to say, I'm, a, I'm like everyone else. I'm a bit of a populist. Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a classic. <laughs> Absolute classic tune. That that track is uh, is amazing. I'm just looking at my at my um my listening. What I've been listening to recently. Um, I mean, for me, like I'm a big Radiohead fan, and, and the Smile record that came out recently, I, I've been really enjoying that. Um, the visceralness of of their their collaboration really is something wonderful. But also, I mean, I I uh, 
I've been listening to Kendrick Lamar's new record quite, quite a bit recently, and just the 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 artistry on that on that record is incredible. And and that's for me, like you know, records are always this this interesting thing between whether you you can listen to them while you're just going about your daily life. And and I really, you know, I think what Katie said is totally true. Like it's it's wonderful when people have you know, when your music becomes the soundtrack to people's lives, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. I also think it's really wonderful when a record is a piece of art that people sit down and listen to from start to finish and really consume. And like the, the new Kendrick Lamar album is absolutely one of those records. It's like, it, it takes you on such a big journey and listening <laughs> from start to finish is just this crazy trip of, of, of wonderfulness. So yeah, I've been diving into that. I'll have to check that one out from start to finish then. Um... <laughs> Katie, Simon, may I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me? Likewise. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, great to talk.